Well, as Andy just shared so well, this morning's passage is Jesus talking with his disciples. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be starting in chapter 9, verse 35. Let us listen for and hear God's holy word. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus. And Thaddeus. Simon, the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May your good news come, O Lord, not only in the word spoken, but in and through the power of your Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Amen. I've taken a few road trips recently, and with the number of hours I've spent behind the wheel over the last several weeks, I feel like I could have been moonlighting as a long-haul trucker. With two overnight trips on two different weekends to Nashville to see Taylor Swift and Billy Joel in concert, which were Diana's influence because, let's face it, I'm not that cool. (laughs) Our annual trip to the Outer Banks and then driving to Montreat er earlier this week with some of our high school youth, I've driven something like 2,500 miles in the last month, but who's counting? With this much road tripping, I've had more than a few occasions to let my mind wander. And I'll admit, I've thought of some pretty strange stuff. Most of those subjects, though, we'll have to wait for another sermon. But one of these daydreaming rabbit holes that led me to ponder a question that I was actually able to Google and get an actual answer to. Where is the exact center of the United States? Well, it turns out that a government survey in 1898 established Lebanon, Kansas as the exact geographic center of the 48 contiguous United States. There's a 10-foot high stone marker there and a picnic table and a chapel that will seat about six friendly people. Oh, and a herd of cows. (laughs) Lebanon, Kansas. Who knew? I bring this up not so that you wonder about the thought processes of your pastor, but because road trip 
is not a bad analogy, really, for the gospel. Because the gospel is about movement, about a journey. If you read the New Testament accounts, you recognize pretty quickly that Jesus is always on the move. To Bethany, to Galilee, to Capernaum, up to the temple, down to Nazareth, across the lake, up to Judea, up the mountain, back down the other side of the lake, into Jerusalem, up to Calvary, descending into hell, ascending into heaven. Jesus is always on the move. It doesn't take long to figure out that being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus, means that we need to be on the road too. The word that's translated to follow in the New Testament is rooted in the Greek word for road. To follow is to share the same road. The road that Jesus travels is the road that we travel also. As I discussed in last week's sermon, this theme surfaces over and over in Jesus' teaching. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Whoever serves me must follow me. Sell all that you own, he tells the rich young ruler. Sell it, give the money to the poor, and then come, follow me. To be a disciple of Jesus means to be on the road with Jesus. The comedian Flip Wilson used to say, I'm a Jehovah's bystander. They asked me to be a witness, but I didn't want to get that involved. Ultimately, that's the fundamental question. Are we willing to get involved with Jesus Christ? Are we willing to get involved with the world that God loves? Are we willing to get involved with the people for whom Christ lived and died? Are we willing to make the journey with Jesus? Flip Wilson was right. Either we're witnesses, disciples, followers, or we're just bystanders. If you heard last week's Old Testament reading and sermon, then you heard the story of perhaps the most well-known pair of road trippers in Scripture, Abraham and Sarah. God asked Abraham and Sarah to leave their home and to go to a new place that God would show them. That was it. There were no directions, no map, no atlas, no GPS, no rest stops or visitor center or McDonald's along the way. For as long as God's people can remember, they've been on the road. A wandering Armenian was my ancestor. That's how the story of Israel begins with the book of, De uh, book of Deuteronomy. And that is the story every Hebrew learned to repeat when bringing an offering to the Lord. A wandering Armenian was my ancestor. However established God's people became, however settled and prosperous they were in their promised land, they were never to forget the long, winding road that got them there. A wandering Armenian was my ancestor. They had been wanderers once, and they would be wanderers again. But wherever they went, they were to remember their destination was never Egypt or Jerusalem or Canaan. Their true destination was God, always God. You may remember Robert Schuller of Crystal Cathedral fame. 
If not, that's okay. All I remember about him is being really upset as a kid when his hour of power broadcast worship service seemed to always interrupt my morning cartoon watching on the weekends. I learned this week that the Crystal Cathedral at its peak had something like 10,000 members and claimed to have 2.4 billion TV viewers around the world. Before his death in 2015, someone asked Robert Schuller what he would consider the most important requirement for a growing congregation. What is the essential ingredient? Without batting an eye, Schuller responded, a good parking lot. Now I'll tell you what, if the church of Jesus Christ is about parking lots, we're in big trouble. Parking lots may get people in the door, but if we're serious about following Christ, the more important direction is out, out the door, out of the parking lot, out on the road, out into the world. That's exactly what we hear from our gospel reading. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Jesus says, as God has sent me, so I send you. According to Jesus, that's all it takes. I send you. The Latin word misio means sending, and mission, sending, is the central biblical theme that describes all of what God has been up to throughout human history. God sent Abraham and Sarah to be a blessing to the nations. God sent the people of Israel in search of the promised land. God sent Jesus Christ to bring salvation to all the world. God sends the Spirit to empower the church. God sends us to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Imagine it. Jesus shows up and starts calling names. Bill and Jenny, you take downtown. Joanna and Ted, Sue and Craig, South Knoxville. Rachel and Louie, Virginia, you get UT campus. And Brett and Sarah, Bill and Mary, I'm thinking about sending you out west. Judy and Brianna, Brent and Rachel, take Blount County. Michael, Salee, Vicki, Laura, Jamie, Diana, Stephanie, Carly, Jennifer, and Vanessa, you get the schools. Here's what I need you to do. Preach the kingdom. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Welcome the outcast. Cast out demons. Go on. Have a great time. I can't wait to hear the stories. Now get out there. Go. It doesn't necessarily happen in that way or in those words, of course, but it does happen every single week in worship. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. That's how the words of the benediction are often said. Go forth in the name of Christ. Go into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Go, get out there, hit the road. There's work to be done. Now, I will admit, this charge, this call, would be a whole lot easier if we had any clue how to do it. I don't know how to cast out demons, do you? I've never raised anyone from the dead. I haven't the slightest idea how to cleanse a leper or to cure the sick. 
I can do budgets and manage staff and write a sermon, but when it comes to this stuff, I'm completely unprepared. But I always remember one of my favorite passages from Paul's words to the church at Ephesus because I think they come as such very good news. And now, to the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. The one who by the power at work within us It's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about whether we're fit or unfit, qualified or unqualified to carry on Jesus' ministry. It's about the abundant, incomparable, overwhelming power of God at work within us, in the church, in the world. I don't have to know how to do any of that. I just have to be faithful. And it turns out that we, the, the faithful wanderers, are the ones God chooses to use. You heard it in our call to worship. Words written by St. Teresa of Avila half a millennium ago. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. So as we leave worship this morning... We go out into the mission field. Whether we realize it or not, our work is waiting for us the minute we walk out these doors. The friend down the street, the colleague in the office next to us, the waitress at table at lunch who could probably stand to be reminded reminded that God loves her even when all the signs are pointing the opposite direction. Whatever it may be, Your mission field is waiting. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus says, but the laborers are few. So go, hit the road, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Hear the prayers of your people this day, O God. Hear our prayers here in this church and hear those in all your creation who seek your heart, for you are ever-present and attentive, knowing our hearts better than we know our own. Wake us up to the glory of your power and beauty, reminding us that it is through you that we find our being. We praise you, God, our creator, for your handiwork in shaping and sustaining us, your creation, and the new ways you continue to enter our lives. So we thank you for life and the wonder of living, for the abundance of your earth and for the blessings you bestow upon us. With gratitude, we give thanks for what you do for us. In silence, let us offer up our prayers of gratitude.
Oh God, we especially give thanks for the joy of a new marriage in our congregation between Martin and Rebecca Lang and ask for your blessings upon their journey together. We give thanks for fathers and father figures and the ways in which they have shaped us, but we also pray for those for whom this day is difficult. Oh God, we give thanks for family and we pray for families that no hardship and brokenness. Oh God, incline your ear to those who suffer, those who live with heavy burdens, those who have little comfort in this life. And so we pray for others, for ourselves. We pray for those who know illness and pain, those who are suffering from addiction and mental illness, those who are recovering in hospitals and those who are dying. We pray for Libba and ask that you would comfort her as she recovers from pneumonia. We pray for those who have lost loved ones, remembering especially the family of Linda Manson. Surround Harry and their loved ones with your comfort and love. We pray for your church and for First Presbyterian Church and for the mission field that you call us into in our lives. We pray for the church around the world remembering those who labor to spread your love and your word. And we pray for those people of faith, those Christians that are persecuted, and give thanks for those who plant the seeds of our faith that they might blossom to grow your church further. We pray for our partners in ministry, especially for Family Promise and all those ministries that help to relieve people experiencing homelessness. We ask that you would guide those working in those ministries that they might continue to glorify you by serving your people. Send your Holy Spirit to walk beside us, O God, that we might recognize that we are not alone, but that you are ever with us. Hear our prayers and hear the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue to worship God through our tithes and offerings.